This is episode number 149 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Everybody, welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Standard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. This is part five of a six-part series on how to build highly effective teams. Last week, we covered step three, which was seven ways to reduce conflict within your team members. And then the week before that, we also gave you seven ways to build trust. This week, we're going to focus on how to gain cooperation and get your teams to really collaborate with each other. So keep in mind that these these skills are, are, are they're a building process. You know, they're progressive, meaning that if your team trusts you and they trust each other, they're going to have fewer conflicts. And if your team is not in conflict with each other, then it's easier to get them to cooperate and collaborate with each other. So focus on the early steps in the process first, and then the latter steps will be much, much, much easier. By the way, the episode is brought to you by leadersinstitute.com. For leadership or team building ideas, please visit our website at www.leadersinstitute.com. All right, so let's get on with this week's session. So the session today is about how to gain enthusiastic cooperation from your team, create that collaborative environment that that a lot of us kind of really strive for. Um, But in order to to gain that team cooperation, I, I think before we actually jump into the principles, let me kind of cover some examples of, of how to know what actually motivates each of your team members, because that's one of the things that's kind of really critical here. And, and if, you've, if you've never read about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it is a fascinating study uh, in psychology. Dr. Maslow basically theorized that we've got five levels of needs, meaning that the, the needs will range, by the way, from the lowest level, which is like physical needs like food and water, to uh, the high levels are, are more altruistic. So in theory, we are always most concerned about the lowest level of needs until those needs are satisfied. You know, for example, if a person is thirsty and dehydrated and about to die of thirst, they won't think about much else. <laughs> they're, not, they're not worried about giving away to charity or something like that. This is just, it basically they, they want to, we have to satisfy that low level need first, right? So over the years, psychologists have kind of argued about the, the different levels in the hierarchy and, and the actual levels and the order are of, of each one of those levels aren't really as important to this discussion anyway as just the agreement that we do have in a hierarchy. So don't don't really get into the weeds about the the different levels and everything um, right for for this particular study. But if you just kind of understand that everybody has one of those hierarchies and we're all in a different stage of that hierarchy, it, it makes it much easier to kind of motivate your team and gain that cooperative teamwork within your organization. So as leaders, basically we have to know where each one of our team members at are at within that hierarchy. <laughs> so for instance, one team member may have been entirely motivated by recognition and appreciation. They 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 basically they have a lot of their lower lower level needs met. However, if that person's kid gets sick, then he or she her his or her priorities are going to change in an instant. All of a sudden 
all of that other stuff is not nearly as important as making sure that that their kid recovers, right? So the point of the tips that we're going to cover in this session is that they're, they're time-tested ways to build cooperative teams. Uh, if the trust level is high and conflicts are low, like we talked about in all the previous sessions, but the tips work, if, they, if that's the case, they're going to work really, really effectively. But if, uh, if you find that some of your team members are not as cooperative, it might be that something has happened to move them to one of those lower level of Maslow's hierarchy. And, and your goal as the leader of your group is to, to build that cooperative workplace where staff members are consistently at the, the highest levels within that hierarchy. So basically, there may be things that you have to do outside of the seven things that we're going to cover today that to, to really gain that cooperation. And th that would be why. That would be one of the things that you want to cover. Okay, so with all that being said, with, with that kind of... of um, uh, cautionary tale anyway, or cautionary um, um, ideas. Uh, let's kind of talk about the seven things that you can do to, to build team cooperation and to build that collaboration within your, within your organization. So if you recall in phase one, uh, well, in the, in the phase on building trust a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that constructive criticism is often used to create a behavior change in others. However, criticism will often harm the individual performance. And we've kind of talked about the relationship bank account and how once we criticize somebody, we're doing it to try to get them to do something different. But in reality, a lot of times it's going to raise resentment. It's going to lower our trust and rapport with that person. So basically in this session, we're going to talk cover seven things that you can do to gain cooperation that work much, 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 much better than criticism or constructive criticism. These seven skills are a great way to, to get your team members to really work together, to support each other. And in effect, you'll be able to create a culture of collaborative leadership by really focusing on these skills and, and having you being the example so that your team members actually apply these skills as well. So let me give you all seven real quick, and then we'll go over each one of them in a little bit more detail. So the, the first thing that you want to do is acknowledge the importance of other people. Show people that they're important to the process. Every single job that we have within our organization is critical to our success, and, and people kind of need to know that. Um, the second thing that you want to do as a leader is you want to show enthusiasm and energy. They will The energy that you have is contagious, and that will rub off, and other people will want to be a part of that process if they're engaged, if they're enthused about that the process. Uh, number three is you want to encourage and facilitate two-way conversations so that you're able to gain important information during your decision-making process. Um, a, a more specific corollary of that is the next tip, which is you want to ask other people's opinions. So when you're when you're consulting with your team members, a lot of times they're going to have opinions and they may not come right out and tell you. So sometimes you have to you have to make that conscious effort to go out and ask them. Um, another tip that we're going to cover is that you want to ask questions instead of giving orders. So ask people to do something for you versus telling them they'll be more inclined to actually do that thing. And then once they cooperate with us, once they do the thing that you're asking them to do, then you want to show gratitude to, to that person. You want to show that, that's that sincere appreciation for what that person has done. And then the last one, this is, this is one that's going to be kind of a, um, it could fit into this these set of principles to gain cooperation, but it's also a leadership develop, development principle as well, which we'll cover next week. But it's you want to freely give what I call strength-centered compliments. We'll talk a little bit about that as we kind of close today. So let's talk about the first one, though. First one is acknowledge the importance of other people. 
Um, just as what we talked about in some of the prior sessions, a lot of times the very first principle in the list is one that's kind of all encompassing. You know, for instance, if in prince in the first set of principles, the the trust building principles, we talked about not criticizing people. And if you're doing those other six things, you'll do something other than criticize them. And if you're you're actually applying that and you're not criticizing, you're probably going to be doing some of those others automatically. And and that's the the kind of the same here with with this set of principles as well. Um, if, if you if you're doing those other six things, you're going to be showing the people on your team that they're important. Um, I'll give you a really good example of a, a practical application of this. One of my class members decided to use this principle with his sales assistant, and she was the sales assistant for like five different salespeople. And her job was to put together the marketing materials and the contracts and things like that for the sales team in order for, to get them to close these big deals. Uh, so the salesman, basically, um, just to kind of show her appreciation and show how important she was, he he bought her a big container of, of popcorn, like because he noticed that she would buy that from the from the um, uh, the convenience store down the block or whatever. And and since she liked it, he got her a big container of that, and then just put a sticky note on the top of it, just saying how important she was to him and and his success. Right when he gave it to her, she was a little surprised. And uh, because he was the first person in years to actually treat her like an equal in the office. And when he came back um, to my class the next week, he told us that she had actually taken that sticky note off of the can and stuck it underneath the like the plastic protector on her on her desk um, and so that she could kind of see it every day. And it was funny because I saw that guy, the guy that was in my class, I saw him a couple of years later in, in a totally different place. And, and, I, and I remember, because I'd been telling that story for a couple of years at that point about how important it was. And, and uh, he told me that at a couple of years after that incident occurs that she was, she was still there and she was still doing a fabulous job. And he said, now though, she's got dozens of those sticky notes underneath her desk because she keeps every single one. You know, it happens so infrequently that when she gets these things that she keeps them. So great leaders basically use this aspect of human nature, human nature to make people feel important because one way to be a great leader is to find some way to make the people around you feel important every single day. It's, it's really, really critical. And by the way, these other principles that we're going to talk about are things that you can do in addition to that or to do that as well. So uh, number two is if you want to build team cooperation, then the leader really has to show some enthusiasm and energy. If you want to build an enthusiastic team, you have to be an enthusiastic leader. Have you ever noticed how really the most successful people are what I would call early risers? Um, ben Franklin, in his autobiography, he called this this group of people the six o'clock club. You know, he spent the first hour of his day, got up at six o'clock in the morning, and he'd spend the first hour of his day uh, planning the events of the day and reading and learning new, learning something new. And he often claimed that he did this, um, he did his best work during that first hour, which is why he, he put those things there, the things that he did. So how does that relate to raising your own energy level and why it's important? Well, I mean, we've all got a choice every single morning when we wake up. Do I want to hit the snooze bar a couple of times and then rush into the office? Or do I want to put some energy and enthusiasm into my day? And so basically, when you have to do a dirty job, you, one of the things that I would suggest that you do is just jump in with lots of enthusiasm and gusto. gusto and, and when you have a challenging project that nobody else wants, um, you can use that project as an opportunity to set an example for your team. A good team player will often watch the team leader 
And each of those individual players now will, will have, a, a, um, a, by the way, they'll have a little less enthusiasm than what you have as the team leader. So one of the surest ways to create better teamwork and improve group dynamics is to kind of increase your enthusiasm, be a little bit more enthusiastic than you want them to, to be. And, and then everyone around you will want to, to, I mean, everybody wants to be around somebody that's going somewhere. And so the person who sets out to enthusiastically get to the next level will attract tons of followers because enthusiasm is, is really contagious. So raise your energy level and your positive attitude will be contagious and your group performance will improve as well. So the third thing you can do to gain enthusiastic cooperation is encourage and facilitate two-way conversations. One of the things I've kind of noticed over years is that poor managers think that they are responsible for solving every single problem. And great leaders, however, though, they realize that they are surrounded by fantastic thinkers who are experts at their trades. So when these leaders encourage two-way conversations with these experts, great things will tend to happen. Um, a, a really good example of this was Herb Peterson. He was the he was a McDonald's franchise holder in like the early 1970s, and he absolutely loved Eggs Benedict. So he was basically tinkering around in his garage and invented this Teflon-coated ring that would allow him to make eggs on a hamburger grill. I mean, since he was the you know, franchise owner at McDonald's, he wanted to figure out some way that he could make breakfast for himself while he was there at the at the store, right? And at the time, McDonald's just had, it was just a hamburger place uh, without a lot of additional hamburger and french fries. That was all shakes, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so um, it, it, it was so popular with his staff that he actually took the idea to McDonald's headquarters in, in Chicago. And I'm sure it probably sounded ridiculous at the time, if you think about it. I mean, if you think about the dialogue that must have been taken, that must have taken place between Peterson and the executives. Um, uh, at McDonald's, but that was actually the beginning of the Egg McMuffin. Very, very popular today. So today it's it's estimated, I think, that McDonald's sells, it's like $4 billion worth of breakfast every year. And, and it happened as a result of somebody coming up with a harebrained scheme that nobody thought would ever work. I mean, why the heck would you open a hamburger place at you know, at six o'clock in the morning, for God's sakes, right? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it worked and, and and to the tune of billions of dollars. So those dialogues that we create with the people who work for us can actually provide us valuable information, you know, both good and bad, by the way, uh, but the information is critical in helping us make solid decisions in the marketplace. So the fourth thing that you can do to build cooperation is ask other people's opinions. Um, one, of, one of my friends is a project manager for a commercial construction company. And on the last day of a really big job that he had been working on, he noticed that one of the subcontractors had bricked the door frame the wrong way. So big, huge building. They're, they're, they're finished with it. Basically, they're just cleaning up at this point. And he looks and, it's, and, and what's on the door frame is different from what's on the plans. And to make matters worse, the architect and the client were expected to be there at the location later that afternoon to conduct the final walkthrough. And he knew that if he had to call the Mason back out, it would take at least another day and would probably cost you know thousands of dollars to, to make the correction. So he was in a bind. So he basically called all of his foremen together and asked them you know, what they thought that he could do to fix the problem. And one of them just asked to borrow the crane and a skill saw. And he actually beveled the rocks by hand. He actually did the, he took a skill saw and chopped off pieces of the rock 
And, um, and the work was so well done that the architect didn't know this, by the way, didn't know that that was what had happened, took a picture of it and sent the picture of the building to, uh, to be judged for an award for the American Institute of Architects. So, you know, when we're under the gun, most of us want to kind of take control and begin to order people around. Uh, but sometimes since time is short, you know, we, a lot of times we want to, we want to quicken the pace by telling people what to do instead of just asking their opinion uh, but when we do this, though, we're, we may be missing an opportunity to gain great insights from the people who are on the front line and also to develop that team cooperation that we really want. So ask the opinion of other people and you'll gain that enthusiastic cooperation from them. All right. So number five is you want to build team cooperation by asking questions instead of giving orders. So um, give an example. This was a, 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 a student in one of my classes. His name was David. He was a recent graduate of an engineering school, and he was assigned to be a project manager at a, at a job, job site. And many of the women who worked with him or for him had, in a lot of cases, 10, 15, 20 years of experience. He was brand new. So so David's job, by the way, was to interpret the project designs and get his crew to implement the designs. So every morning he would meet with, with his team and, and tell them what they were supposed to do that day. And after a few months, um, he started to realize that the ideas that he brought to his crew typically were either taking a really long time to implement or had to be reworked. And his boss kind of realized that, uh, that there was a, a problem and pulled him into his office and explained to David that his his crew resented being ordered around, especially, hey, who's this kid telling me what I need to do, right? And so the boss asked him to begin to ask for advice from his team rather than ordering them around. And after the meeting, he began to draw up alternative plans and bring them to the crew. And he would ask their opinion. And nine times out of 10, his original idea was the popular choice. And the other 10% of the time, sometimes he learned a valuable lesson about designing and engineering that he didn't know. I mean, he was brand new to the to the industry, right? So these were things that, that would have taken years to learn in school, but he was picking them up left and right very quickly. So rework dropped dramatically. And, and so one of the things that I would suggest that you do is to build a cooperative and effective team, ask the experts on your team for their opinion. So number six is, that you want to show gratitude when others cooperate with you. So after you're after you've kind of developed that that team of cooperation and people are actually cooperating with us, we want to um, you want to kind of show the gratitude that you have for them cooperating with you. I mean, we wouldn't dream of letting children or employees go for days without food. <laughs> you know, it's like you have a kid, you're not going to let your kid go three days without without food, but we'll we'll let them go years without something just as important, the feeling of being appreciated. So a, a simple kind word of appreciation is one of the smallest, simplest ways to build trust and gain cooperation and really anchor positive behavior in, in the people around us. Um, one of my clients owned a real estate appraisal company and his staff was compensated for the number of appraisals that they completed each week. So after a few years, he kind of noticed that the number of appraisals had increased. You know, we were doing bunches and bunches more of them than we had in previous years, but the quality wasn't up 
to snuff, you know, the quality was kind of suffering. So, um, and in fact, he was, he kind of knows he was personally spending a great deal of time rechecking and correcting flawed documents, you know, because his reputation was on the line. So one day at a staff meeting, he publicly complimented one of the appraisers who had consistently provided flawless documents. And the owner noticed that in the next few few weeks, her work actually improved even more. She was already doing a good job, but her work actually improved. And then as a side benefit, at the same time, the overall quality of everybody else's documents went up as well. And so when that happened, he he started complimenting the other people who were doing a good job as well. And there were there was improvements in the, the quality and it kept rising uh, over time. So, so what he realized was that for years, he had taken the people that worked for him for granted. He assumed that their paycheck was appreciation enough for what they were doing. As he began to show each person how much he appreciated them and what they were doing, the quality of their work, that quality improved and his particular job as the president of the company became easier as well. So after your team cooperates with you, make sure and show sincere gratitude. All right. The last one is one that's a little bit more difficult to kind of explain, but it's that you want to freely give what I call strength center compliments. Um, this, this skill, it's so important that I'm going to cover it in a lot more detail in a future session, um, but I'll share you kind of an overview here as to why it's so important. Um, because in the business world today, compliments are very rare. We talked about appreciation in the in the previous in the previous tip, um, but appreciation appreciation is one thing, but actually complimenting somebody on what they what they're doing um, is it, it just doesn't happen. And the reason why is because we're we're we want to make sure that if we give a positive comment, that it's not taken the wrong way. And as a result, we miss opportunities to reinforce the, those positive behaviors. So a good, sincere compliment can, can do that, though. It can reinforce that positive behavior. It can help you anchor that positive behavior so that when you see it in your team, they'll continue to do that over and over again and actually improve in a lot of other areas as well. So my suggestion is to look for something positive that each one of your direct reports has done every single day. And then tell that person what you like about what that person did. So tell the person how much that behavior helps the bottom line, right? And what you're going to see is over time, you're going to see that person's confidence grow and, and you'll all, there'll be, and you'll both kind of feel good about it as well. I mean, you'll feel good because you gave the person a sincere compliment. And plus that other person is going to feel good because you've actually noticed for once, right? So just kind of keep that in mind. But, I, but like I said, we're going to go over that in a little bit more detail in a future session, just because it's one of those things that if you get really, really good at this and it can be awkward. So sometimes we'll just kind of resist doing it because it, it kind of feels awkward. Um, but but if you get really, really good at doing this, you can build a very solid team within your organization. Um, just so you know, team um, cooperation and, and collaborative work environment that we've been talking about, it, it's essential to help you lead to, it'll lead to higher performance, it'll lead to greater success, because at the end of the day, the main takeaway of what we're covering here is that cooperative groups improve success within your organization. So when you create a corporate culture of teamwork, the success of your team is almost guaranteed. Uh, a team success is, is higher. Your team performance improves when, when your team members are cooperating with each other and cooperating with you. So if you want to unleash the full potential of your group, I would suggest that you practice each of these seven principles on a daily basis 
Uh, by the way, if you want to develop a, a more collaborative culture within your, your workplace or within your organization, we offer a number of different workshops to improve communication skills, help you improve work environments. Um, so basically, all you really have to do is just kind of click the link in the show notes if you want some additional information. That'll take you to our website that that um, will take you through the entire process that you can go through um, and, and perhaps have one of our instructors come out and help your team implement similar programs for, for your group as well. Anyway, so thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.